0: Entering the Freedom Hut.
1: The media's Russia disinformation lie to protect the Bidens blows up in their faces. Time Magazine names its person of the year. FDA is dragging its feet on vaccine approval and Chinese espionage rings in the U.S.
0: This This is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One
1: small thing. Make no mistake. America, Great. You're a great American. Again.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activated. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great
2: guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. I know it is nothing new that the media lies to you. We've said it on this show so many times that it's almost like a, an unofficial an mantra. But the media does lie to you constantly. They lie to all Americans. They lie to themselves. But you've seen a shift. And this is clear with the Hunter Biden story as we now have it, because it's a condensed enough period on an important enough issue that it's clear as day what's going on here. Let me tell you, the, the, the old model or the old thinking about this was that the mainstream media lies to you largely out of a subconscious bias. They don't even know how liberal they are. They don't even know how much they are Democrat activists pretending to do journalism. So what they do is to them completely fair minded. Now, that's insane and it's obviously wrong and delusional, but they at least can consider themselves. They at least think they have that going for them. They, they believe that at whatever level. But now when you see what's happened with this Hunter Biden storyline which I also I'm still not sure that that alone would have had a dramatic effect on the election. But we can't know. That's the problem. That's the point. Now it's too late. We can't run the experiment again. But the Hunter Biden story was suppressed in such a way that anyone can see it is very clear. It is very obvious that they did this intentionally and they did this uh, without any remorse, without any sense that they were betraying their professions, that they have scruples or ethics. It's not about that anymore. This this is the change. It's not that they think they're being fair minded. Now they just weaponize whatever they've got. Now it's out. It's all out in the open. They are on Team Destroy, Tom, uh, Team Destroy Trump, Team Help Biden. That's what they're doing. That is the plan. It's what's going on here. So uh, the media is a disgrace and social media has now amplified it. And I I do believe I believe that there is right now a, a greater degree of aggressiveness and brazenness from the mainstream media than there's been in a long time because they've got social media now running cover for them. So they figure now is the time. Now is their moment. Crush the opposition lie to everyone's faces, get away with it, rub our noses in it, that's what they're doing. What examples could I point to on this? Oh, there, there are countless ones right now. But let's just start before I get into how disgraceful and dishonest they were on this story and, and how it's clear now, and this is the, the real takeaway, this was not an accident. They didn't really think that the Hunter Biden laptop was stolen or hacked. That was all a lie. And they knew it was a lie. They didn't really believe any of this was Russian disinformation. They knew that was a lie. The point now is that with social media running cover for them, backing them up, magnifying their lies, they feel comfortable doing whatever they've got to do to achieve power. They don't care. They don't care that you and I know. I think that's important. We used to believe that if we held a light up to them, if if we were able to express our outrage at how they violated their principles and they're not really being journalists, that there was some cause and effect there, that there would be some uh, responsiveness from their side. I mean, I think that was always overstated, but they don't care what you think. They don't care what anybody who's not a Biden-supporting, Trump-hating leftist thinks. They simply do not care. It does not matter to them. We are now in a post- journalism world in this country where all we have are these warring propaganda machines and now propaganda can be for the good right we the allies engaged in propaganda during world war ii against the nazis it was good propaganda right so let's understand that that word can usually have a negative connotation but what else we can call it polemics we could call it fierce debate whatever you want to say we have to defeat their arguments and we have to actually defeat their power grabs or else they'll just continue to do this and continue to get away with it. Um, so here we have perfect example. I mean, and there's so many examples that we could choose from, but here's a perfect example of this Politico, which considers itself to be an insidery politics first publication in D.C. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of libs. They could the, the, the political is for people who couldn't get jobs at The New York Times. But, you know, we're almost there. Pretty close. And they they put out this before the election. I mean, you look at this stuff and it's it's just amazing. Hunter Biden's story. This is before the election. This is in October is Russian disinfo. Dozens of former intel officials say more than 50 former intelligence officials signed a letter Casting doubt on the provenance of a New York Post story on the former president's son. What does that even mean? Who cares what 50 former intelligence officials think about the New York Post reporting? What do they know about it that the New York Post doesn't? The answer was nothing. But this was a smokescreen. This was a classic smokescreen operation. Just put something up there to obscure what's really going on. That's what they did. Now you go to the story from this week, Justice Department's interest in Hunter Biden covered more than taxes, actually covered uh, federal prosecutors also investigated foreign ties, including possible money laundering. Money laundering is a serious crime. It's a federal felony. You can go to prison for quite a few years for that one. So this is the same publication a few weeks apart. And I think that our belief that the, what we will usually fall back on, on our side is, See, look at how dumb they look. Ha ha. The journos, the journos are being silly journos again. And I'm here to tell you that's not how they view it. The New York Times, CNN, The Washington Post, MSNBC, all the major news publications, platforms, channels across the country that are not explicitly right of center. All of them. All of them now have trended toward this, but the big players in the space, CNN, the Times, the Post, they don't do these things and then feel embarrassed when they get caught. They're doing them now and they're saying, what are you going to do about it? And the answer, and I'm going to tell you this and not a lot of other people will. The answer on the right is we got to figure that out because we don't have a good answer yet. And people ask me, what can we do? And I I share all of their frustration. I mean, I'm seething over stuff like this. When I dig into it, I'm doing this research. I just, I just want to just shout profanity when I see this stuff happening. But they do it now, and they look you in the eyes, and they say, that's right, and it worked. This is the Harry Reid school. And the, and the Democrats do this all the time, and, they're, and the media now is just open about it. Remember what Harry Reid said about the completely baseless smear? I'm no Mitt Romney fan, as you know, but Mitt Romney has always paid his taxes. Okay, Mitt Romney is not a is not a guy who hasn't failed, uh, hasn't uh, uh, filed tax returns in 10 years. No way. That Boy Scout, absolutely not. Okay, that guy pays his taxes. Is he rich? Is he a plutocrat? Is he a sellout? Sure. But not that there's anything wrong with being rich. We should all be so lucky. But here we are now, uh, looking at the true manifestation of the philosophy that Harry Reid very clearly outlined for us when he was asked, sir what do you what do you think now about the fact that you lied about Mitt Romney's tax returns? He clearly did his response was well, he didn't win, did he? That's what the entire mainstream media. they're all laughing at us now behind closed doors. We sit here and we say, "See?" You guys don't do what you say you're going to do. And they giggle in our faces and say, oh, yeah, sorry. I guess we made that mistake. I, I guess we had a little bit of a slip up on the Hunter Biden stuff. Uh oh. We'll do better in the next election, sure. In the meantime, enjoy being shut down. Enjoy having your conservative websites and commentators, people like me, shut down on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. And who knows what Google's doing? Google's the most powerful company in the world right now. Google's the most powerful company in the world. All in. We don't even know what they're doing. Who do you think is going to stop them? Oh, you think a bunch of Republicans who are getting a lot of money from big tech? You think Mike Lee is going to all of a sudden be the great savior of the republic against the big tech oligarchs who are handing our country over to the radical left? I don't think so. Not that guy.
3: Here we are
1: seeing it. Couldn't be any more clear. Couldn't be any more obvious. They do this now and they don't apologize. They do it because it is the mission. This is not something that just occurs. This isn't an a unwanted byproduct of their political aspirations. This is how they do what they do. And now we get to what can we all do about it? The answer is stop trusting them. On anything, don't read them, don't support them, don't click on them. Don't uh, accept it when they put someone forward who's, oh, well we've got some conservative voices at CNN. No, they don't. They do not. Not that are worth a damn. So don't do it. You all have the ability to vote with your dollars. You all have the ability to be a part of this movement based on who you support, who you listen to who you help and i and i tell you openly please make me one of them if you're listening to this show get as many people as you can in your orbit to listen to this cuz you think they're being told this message elsewhere do you think that any friend of yours and you know good patriotic americans who probably aren't that into the news cycle aren't as into politics as you are if you're listening to this you know they're 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 listening to you know npr and they're listening to pbs and they you know they they're trying to get information too and they're just being constantly propagandized, to. They're being brainwashed. It's not their fault. Brainwashing is very effective. If you, if you study and if you look at cults, there's actually some stories on this recently. A lot of very smart people fall for cults, usually because they think they're too smart to fall for a cult. Same thing is true of brainwashing. You've got to be very aware. You've got to be self-effacing. And the dominant media, unfortunately, the liberal media, the mainstream, they're achieving a position again where they can just fully stifle the other side. They don't have to pretend anymore that there should be balance in media and, you know, equal time and fairness doctrine and all this stuff. No, 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 no. They want the same way they want absolute political dominance. They're going for absolute media dominance. And they're in a better position now than they've been in in a very long time. And we all need to be aware of that. Fox News alone and a handful of... You know, radio personalities and a couple of publications, not enough, not enough. If it were enough, Joe Biden wouldn't have gotten however many, you know, 70 or 80, 80 million votes, I think is what they're saying now, right? 84 million or 80, 80 million. I mean, Joe Biden, he got 10 million more than Obama, right? So so let's call it uh, 80 million. Uh, Joe Biden wouldn't have been able to get that. But the propaganda machines are very powerful. And I know there's there's more we'll dig into with this Hunter Biden stuff. I've also seen people now calling. Did anyone call for a special counsel into Hunter Biden before I did? I'm just curious because I put that out on Twitter and it started to catch fire. And now I'm hearing a lot of people say, oh, we should have a special counsel for Hunter Biden. Yeah, we should. In fact, this is a perfect example of what we should have a special counsel for. A criminal investigation involving the son of a possibly incoming president. That's when you appoint it and you appoint it now. You don't wait until there's another president who happens to be the one whose son would be under criminal investigation. We need to reorient our thinking a bit on this. We've caught them in the fraud about it's no one really could have believed it was Russian disinformation, but that was the disinformation. The claim was the deceit. That was the whole point. And at some level, it was successful at some level it worked. And all that means is they're going to do it again. There's no good faith. There's no common ground. There's no reaching across to the other side of the media and saying, can't we all agree on the following? Can't we have fair rules of the road? No, we are now in a in all out political media war. That's where we are. We need to understand that. And everybody has a role to play. Everybody can choose who they watch, who they listen to, who they tell their friends, who they support. And the ideas that come with all of that. So you absolutely every day are making choices that play a role in this fight. Don't forget that.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Now let's get into some of the best exchanges to identify the smug, intentional, intentional dishonesty and and overall idiocy of so many in, in the mainstream media and we're talking about some of the most established names in journalism people who have a fancy accent and work on a specific kind of presentation on television and then everyone's supposed to think they're so smart just because they have this very pompous accent and it's all really just like they're an actor but we think they're smart anyway, for no reason. Christiane Pool. you'll remember, perhaps. She had this exchange when the Hunter Biden laptop was exposed. When we got into all this, she had this exchange on CNN. And you got to hear it. Play one.
2: Okay, you know what also the United States government says? The FBI says this laptop is not Russian disinformation. So what are you talking about here? This laptop is real. It's not just the laptop. There's other emails. There's text messages. They are real. So okay. according to the U.S. Yes, well, government, I the know FBI that has verified I know that you to move this.
4: everybody to look at that, but that's not what we're hearing from Why the FBI. Why don't you want to report but this? What, this is
5: the one of the what, most powerful no, because families Liz, in Washington. Liz, the Liz. Biden family. And you're okay?
2: You're okay with all are interests being Liz, sold out to profit, Liz, uh, Joe Biden and his family, when when
4: we're suffering
2: during a pandemic from communist yes, China, he's doing shady absolutely. business deals Liz, with communist you know, China. You're well, comfortable,
4: okay? As as you know perfectly well, I'm a journalist and a reporter, and I follow the facts. And there has never been any issues yes, in terms this. of corruption. Now, let me ask you this: Yesterday, the FBI, wait, 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 wait. the FBI, how do you know and that? I'm talking about reporting. And any evidence I'm talking to you now. OK, I would love if you guys would start doing that and
2: start doing that verification. No, we're
4: not going to do your work for you. I want to ask you a question. The FBI. It's a journalist's contrary, job, it's a contrary contrary journalist job to, to, to find
2: out if this
6: is verified.
1: How much insane crap can Christiana Mumpu say in one interview? I, I just want to know. This is this is on on CNN. In some ways, they're their longest running and, and best known host. I mean, i poor goes back to the Larry King days and uh, she's saying, I'm a journalist. She also says that's not what we're hearing from the FBI. It was the most obvious news story ever. They had the guy's laptop. They had all of his personal information. It was clearly his laptop. But the problem is that i poor. After all this, you think she looks like a moron so she'd be upset? No, she probably got a pat on the head, maybe even a bonus from Jeff Zucker for this. Disinformation.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. It would be so good. You know what? You the, like this. The,
6: I thought. I thought you I don't liked mind spa, it. I don't mind spa. it. But when
2: I watch him walk out of a store, and he's walking with a. Ice cream. And the question the media asked him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? And he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking. He's of course he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. It's the biggest, second biggest scandal. So, the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Know, there's Leslie. no e- real evidence of that. Of course there is. It's no. all over the place. Leslie. Sir, they spied on my campaign and they can got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. And we can't put on things we can't verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't put on
4: things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied on
2: my campaign. Well, we can't verify. It's been totally verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie. And you know that, but you just don't want to put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay.
1: No, as a matter of fact, I don't apparently read any of the various lengthy reports from the DOJ on this or what the Congress and the various oversight committees have proven. And No, this is 60 minutes. We don't do facts that make Democrats sad on the inside. That's what she's telling you. Again, looks like an idiot to anybody who knows anything about Russia collusion. The Attorney General of the United States said and used the word Spying on the campaign and was ba- and and backed it up afterwards. They said, "Oh, you didn't really mean spying." They said, "No, no, no, I meant spying on the campaign." That's the sitting attorney general. But sixty minutes knows better. This is sixty minutes. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! It's all the fraud, friends. They're they're. You know how uh, Satan is the father of lies. The mainstream media is the grandfather of lies. <laughs> okay, they're they're. Coming up with this stuff all the time, all the time. And they don't care. You catch them. It does not matter because they're doing it for a reason. The reason is not to inform people. It is to please their Democrat audience, to make them feel happy on the inside and to crush conservatives. That is why they exist. They do not exist for the truth. They do not exist to tell you things as they are. And they don't care when you catch them anymore. That's that's the big difference now. There's no pretense. It's just think here's a perfect example of, of the transition that I'm talking about. Go back. Look, just do a you can do a, you know, a time constrained Google search, you know, put in in the tools and you go to the dates. Go back and do a search five years ago on social media bias against conservatives. And all, all these websites would say, oh, but, you know, we don't do it all And the social media platforms. Oh, that's not. That was a mistake. Oh, we didn't mean to do that. Oh, no, no, no. And now it's gone to the point where they're just going, yeah. What are you going to do about it? That's right. We are attacking you. We are coming after you. We are shutting you down and cutting you off. And get ready for the possibility here of Joe Biden getting a televised shiatsu massage for the next four years. I mean, it's going to be embarrassing. Joe's going to be every interview. It's going to be the equivalent of Joe Biden saying, oh, yeah, no joke. My shoulders really, uh, you know, man, it's tight up there. And uh, yeah, that's right. Get into those knots. Yeah. A little more oil. Yeah, that's right. That's what the media is going to be doing to Joe Biden for four years if he is president. And if he lasts four years in office, because let's be honest, friends. We're already seeing some very interesting indicators, aren't we? No, 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 I don't know this. I'm thinking this one through as I talk to you. But sure, the media is now coming clean on the, on the Hunter Biden stuff. And I, I shouldn't say coming clean. They're just they have to now drop the, the facade. But why now? Why are they dropping the facade now? They probably could have extended this out a little bit longer, waited until after the inauguration. Why do it now? And they don't seem upset about this at all. And remember that they are a bunch of conniving, backstabbing, behind the scenes manipulators. That's what the mainstream media is full of. So why would they all of a sudden be so calm about clearly very negative uh, revelations about Joe Biden that aren't really revelations, as you know? I mean, it's even tough to talk about this because the the words that we end up using in the this is not a news story. This is just the media saying, whoopsie, lied to you, sorry, but not sorry. That's really the media's new mantra. Sorry, not sorry. They don't care. That's all this is. Why is this happening now? Why is this occurring in this moment? I have told you all along, it is my belief that Kamala Harris was very likely to take over for Joe Biden early in a Biden administration and that this would work out for all those involved. As far as the Democrats are concerned, Joe Biden gets to be a hero, the savior of our democracy from the clutches of Trump and Trumpism and hand it over to the first black female president after being vice president for eight years, to the first black president. Right. Joe Biden gets to be a hero for the ages. In fact, if you look at the legacy of Biden versus, say, the legacy of the Clintons, Biden, if he pulls this off, will be a more revered name. And who would have thought that could have been the case? But here we are. I'm talking about among Democrats. Great hero to the party. And I think that we all need to see that that's given Biden's age. Right. If Biden were like a strapping guy of, you know, if he was in his if early 60s and, you know, look like I mean, I think when Bush came into office, I remember someone telling me who was in that White House that, you know, he could run multiple, uh, multiple miles under seven minutes. And I mean, he was like a, you know, a young, vital guy. And then, of course, after eight years of being president, he looked like he had aged about 30 years. But, you know, if Biden were in his even in his early, early 60s. I would say, or just his 60s, I'd say, yeah, he's going to make it. He's going to go all eight years. Guys, he's going to be 80 soon. And those of you who have people in your in your lives who I mean, the difference for a lot of people, not for all people. And so I don't need to get the emails from our wonderful team buck audience who are in their 80s who could still kick my butt. I appreciate I know that you're out there, but for a lot of people, the difference between 70 and 80 is really substantial. And just in terms of their energy and their and that's okay. it's true for all of us. This is not this is no way is this a anything other than an observation. You know, when I'm 70, it's going to be different than when I'm 80. I mean, gosh, I'm going to be 40 soon and feels very different from when I was 30. I got to tell you. So we all have this. We all have this understanding. Joe Biden is going to deteriorate more in office with all the pressure and stress under him in terms of his aging and everything else. And it's so easy for him to step aside. But I think the media wants him to. This could be, and this is really where I'm going with this analysis, Analysis: this could be the greatest bait and switch. This could be the, the biggest maneuver in politics in our lifetime. They essentially get this guy who doesn't seem that radical, at least that's what they're saying, and they push this guy and all this stuff, and then they just replace him with somebody who's completely willing to do whatever the corporate left wants. Emphasis on corporate. Kamala Harris is, is a liberal, but she likes, you know, she likes the dollar-dollar bills. I mean, she's somebody who wants the Googles and the Facebooks and the, you know, the Soros Foundation, and she wants all that to be on her, you know, Planned Parenthood, all that's got to be on her side. And they're on the side of the radical left, as we know anyway. But I, I can't help but notice that there's a... Uh, a sense here of oh okay turns out maybe joe biden does have some problems and the the left isn't fighting this enough they're not even trying to run cover on it right now they're just saying yeah sorry i mean they don't care as i've said to you they don't care but they could have held it a little bit longer look maybe i'm maybe i'm reading further into this than i should that's always possible but i don't think joe biden makes it to the midterms i really don't and you have this time meaning that he he voluntarily steps aside for health reasons, which would be not there. There would never be a way to prove that that was planned versus that that was the reality. There's a very decent chance Joe Biden could have a real health reason to step aside in the next four years. Right. That wouldn't be a surprise. So the door is wide open for it. But I I think um and I'm not talking so much about this Biden thing because I've given up. So you don't need to tell me that I haven't given up yet. I had Sean Parnell on yesterday. We're taking this thing to the Supreme court and we all, all, all it takes is one big break in the dam. That's what it takes. And it could be this Pennsylvania case. And it'd be amazing if my buddy Sean was part of a legal effort that changed history, but you know, he, he knows it's a long shot. He's told you that, but it, it's still a shot, uh, but with Biden I'm I'm just sensing now this is at least the medias thinking and the democrat party's thinking which is why this time magazine thing is just so interesting who do you think the time magazine person of the year is person of the year Joe Biden and Kamala Harris not the people that have put together a vaccine that might give us back our lives within the next 6 months because that's really what it's going to be Not the people that have done that, not uh, our frontline healthcare workers. You know, they've done this sort of group thing before. They'll say that the the person of the year and they'll name a group of people. No, no. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, person of the year. Time magazine. This is the only thing that that anyone ever talks about with Time magazine, just because it's had this ability to put this stamp of person on the year for going back. I don't even know now how many decades, 50, 60, 70 years, whatever, maybe more than that. I have no idea. Uh, but we, so we still say this, but it just shows you where the mentality is right now. You know, they they couldn't just put Joe Biden on that cover. They had to put Kamala. Harris. They had to put the vice president. Joe Biden, they think, won this election. That's what we're all being told this has happened. Of course, no fraud, no fraud at all. Of course, there was fraud. But Joe Biden won this election and. Here we are now, seeing that Kamala Harris shares the cover with him, Time Magazine. These are little indicators. These are things that in the media world, you always pay attention to what the the photo placement is in the media world. Who's in the center? Who's on the sides? Who has a good photo picked of them? Who has kind of a crappy photo picked of them? Because there's decisions going into all this all the time, which is why people in the media are usually so crazy and and, uh, finicky about stuff like this. But they put Kamala on that cover for a reason, friends. That much I know.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Make sure you go check out bucksexton.com. We got Judge Emmett Sullivan as the new face of Trump derangement syndrome. That's a story up there. And we've also got Dems were effective in distracting from their own. Own Skeletons in the Closet, bucksexon.com breaking down all that for you. A lot of what you hear on the show, we're going to be writing up and, and putting on that site, and y- you got to check it out. Uh, bucksexon.com. Make it a homepage. Check it throughout the day. You can listen to the podcast there, too, so you can always just share that site with somebody and say, hey, this is where you can listen to this guy's uh, radio show. All right. Now, what is... What is the reality of the Georgia election that's coming up. We've got to be focused in on this thing. Uh, I think we, you know, I worry about the psychology of the right at this point in time because Trump supporters are, look, I get it. People are upset. They're dejected. We've got people talking about the road to secession here, right? This is, this is upsetting. It's an emotionally challenging period i'll put it that way a lot of other words i'd like to use but this is a family show it's an emotionally challenging period it is messed up you could say that's family friendly uh but if we don't get our heads right and get into this fight in georgia and make sure that these senate runoffs go our way then we really got problems no matter what We can focus as much as we need to and push at support and people are sending donations and they're keeping the story alive and they're spreading uh, spreading word about the fraud. And 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 I think we also don't have enough time, which has always been my concern here. They keep saying, well, where's the fraud? Show us the proof. And I say, well, how long is you got to go and they're talking to tens of millions, over 100 million votes. You're not looking at them everywhere, obviously, only in certain states and certain precincts. But it's a big operation and you got to go and do hand recounts and check signatures. This takes time and we don't have a lot of time. But that said, this Georgia election, the Democrats are hoping that we don't show up. Those of us who live in and are registered in the state of Georgia, of course, because we don't commit we don't commit fraud. That's what Democrats do. Mike Pence is telling everybody, I know Trump and and Pence are out there pushing for Leffler and for Purdue, And here's Pence making the very straightforward case that we got to show up for this thing. Play five.
7: I know we all got doubts about this last election. I know I do. But I actually hear some people saying here in the Peach State, just don't vote. My fellow Americans, if you don't vote, they win. If you don't vote. There could be nothing to stop Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi from cutting our military, raising taxes and passing their agenda to the radical left. So I want to say to you from my heart, for all we've done, for all we have yet to do for our president, for our future, for Georgia and for America, cast another vote for all President Trump has accomplished. Cast a vote to send David Perdue and Kelly Leffler back. To the United States Senate
1: he's absolutely right. In fact, my only criticism would be that if they took the Senate majority, it would be a lot scarier than just raising taxes and cutting the military back a bit. It would get much worse than that. Uh, They will go for long term, strategic, structural changes to the American political landscape so that then they can win on any issue. Then it's just a question of what their base wants, what the Democrats decide to do. They don't have to worry about, oh, we're going to get we're going to get thumped in the midterms because we'll make a difference. That's what fil- eliminating the filibuster statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico and amnesty and packing the courts would would accomplish. You just lay it out right there. We're not winning another, another election for 30 or 40 years if they get those things done and they know it. Thanks for listening
0: to the Bus Sexton Show Podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the
1: iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Harsanyi time, everybody. Our friend David Harsanyi, the the sage of Harsanyidom, He joins us now. He's a senior writer at National Review. Check out NationalReview.com for his latest. He's got a lot of thoughts up there. And he wrote a piece this week, in fact, on the Hunter Biden. Uh, story killing. Let's get to that, David. Great to have you.
6: Always a pleasure. Thank you, Buck.
1: So, David, I, I have a thesis, and and you can, you know, I'm sure you have either, uh, either another view on this that's a little divergent, or maybe you want to add to it, or, or you know, you'll do what you do. But here's here's what I want to put out there for you. I think we're at a point now that the media that and when we say I know we don't have great terms here, right? The mainstream media, the lib media, whatever, Democrat aligned media, which controls 90 percent of journalism, as we know, 95 percent. Really, I think we're at a point now where they get caught doing things that violate the core ethics of their profession, like the suppression of of the New York Post piece turning against them. The New York Times writing some palace intrigue piece about how in the newsroom at the Post, I mean, we had you on to talk about this. I remember you saying that there were, yeah, there are people that have disagreements in a newsroom all the time. But the point is, is the story true? And should it have been run? I think the media, David, is at a point now where they just don't care if they're caught as long as it was for the right cause. That is Democrats.
6: No, of course they don't care. That's their mission Is to help elect Democrats. Uh, You know, it's not as if they're suffering. You see, the New York Times or even CNN. It's not like they there is some kind of uh, you know everyone knows what they do. So there's no blowback to anything like this. This is the they're playing to their crowd, their left wing organizations, their partisan organizations. uh, You know, and that's what they do. They don't care about stories like the Hunter Biden story because. It hurt their candidate. They knew very well that the Post story had been conducted. The reporters had conducted themselves with the same ethical standards and the same journalistic standards that, you know, a vast majority of of, of, of other stories used and scoops used. They just wanted to suppress it. And they did. And no, none of them care. None of them today are like, wow, maybe we should have conducted ourselves differently. I, at least I haven't seen anyone do
1: that. No, that's my, I uh, have not. I've not seen a single person who apologized for lying about the I mean, to call it Russian disinformation. Ben Rhodes, the former Obama White House uh, foreign policy propagandist, who is really one of the more odious figures of the Obama administration, you know, in its in its totality. He called it Russian disinformation at the time. Many, many other people were. I mean, that was the talking point. You could go all these different cable news shows, MSNBC, CNN and all the rest. They're all saying that it was Russian disinformation, which it clearly was not. And there's no mea culpa at all. In fact, the only mea culpa that I've seen came from, I think it was a guy at Politico during the suppression effort who was sorry publicly for sharing the New York Post story.
6: <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Remember that. It's funny because Politico ran one of the most dishonest stories. Politico is, is a complete joke, but they ran the most dishonest piece where they had uh Brennan and a bunch of other former figures within uh you know other administrations say that this might be Russian disinformation. But even they didn't come out and say for sure it was or anything of that nature. But yet the whole thing was couched in a way to make it seem like, well, you know it could be. Yeah, well, anything could be Russian disinformation, right? I mean so we can literally cover nothing. We the post had its hands on the on the laptop. All they have to do is go and ask for confirmation from Biden himself, which they have now done. Because how long can you ignore a story that's under you know? If there's a federal investigation into someone, you can't pretend that doesn't exist forever. But now, of course, it, it's been blunted and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I I laid out a bunch of examples of how people were uh, misleading. On the story, suppressing the story, how they were, there were more stories, process stories about the post newsroom than there was about the uh, the front running candidate of the United States possibly being involved in what is essentially either criminally corrupt, but at the very least shady business dealings with authoritarian states. Um, but, you know, they don't care. So I think that the main thing here, I mean, I'll keep complaining my whole life. The main thing is we're going to have to, people who care about the truth, even when it's about Democrats, need to come up with a better plan than relying on these organizations and institutions which don't do their job anymore, but they do do their job, but their charge is very different from the one they pretend it is.
1: I'm just wondering. Uh, on his show earlier this week, Tucker referred to the Daily Beast as he said something like, "Probably the the worst left wing website that does news on you know that that people know of that does news." Is there one offender that you think is is the worst at all of this? Because Daily Beast is, is a good choice. Uh, I actually think in, in a lot of ways, really, CNN.com is actually the single worst site on the Internet. But is there one that bothers you more than the others?
6: See, I, I think the Daily Beast is a joke, though I do. There is one reporter I sort of like over there. But in general, I mean, I think the editor is a, a complete joke of a of a uh, report, you know a journalist. I don't think they're journalists over there at all. But uh, the problem with that is that everyone knows, knows that and deals with them in a certain way, whereas CNN positions itself as an unbiased source and actually prides itself with its stupid banana Apple commercials with, uh, one of the anchors was wearing like fax first sweater the other day, you know, things like that. It's just annoying. But, uh, so to me, CNN is the, has the, is the most egregious because of people like Jake Tapper and others who are complete activists pretending to be journalists. So for me, I think CNN is the worst.
1: Yeah, Mike, I, I will. I totally, totally agree, obviously. And I, I think that, uh, It's something that people need to just we we need to come at all this now, not as, oh, sometimes these places lie to us in terms of their motivations. Now, it's not no one lies about the facts all the time because that's counterproductive. Right. Even and and people and I have some familiarity with propaganda from studying it as an intelligence officer to see how other countries do it. And also in the Soviet Union, you know, you want to use some factual basis for things and then you want to either spin it in a certain way or leave certain things out. So it's not about that. It's not like we're all going to be using a different number for COVID cases, for example. It's about things like this. What do they suppress? What do they actually tell you? How do they, uh, you know, what information do they want you to be aware of? What are the headlines that they're using? But David, I I guess, and and we're speaking to David Harsani of National Review here, nationalreview.com. What do we do about this? I get asked this question, and it's a great question when people ask me, But I'm not always sure that I have a a great answer.
6: Just quickly, what you said about there being a kernel of truth and all kinds of misleading propaganda, you know, as far as, you know, the history of the world goes, that's always the case. There's always some, you know, every conspiracy theory, for instance, is somehow has one leg in the truth or it wouldn't seem plausible to people. So that's, of course, the case. And the worst defenders who deal with that kind of thing are fact checkers who are perhaps the low. It's the lowest form of journalism there is, in my opinion, at this point. Anyway, let me move forward. I, I enjoy bashing these people, but uh, what can we do about it? Well, there's not much uh, right now, in the sense that I think that you have to keep pointing it out and, and in essence, fact checking them in their genuine uh, use of the term as they go along. But the problem is, and I've said this on your show before, is that you know it costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of work and there has, it takes a lot of time to actually really report on big stories. Sometimes you have to put reporters on it for months, a year more even. And the problem with doing that for smaller places, National Review, Federalist, whoever, even Washington Examiner and places that are trying to do more old school journalism is that it's super expensive and they they just don't have the institutions to do it. Whereas, you know, the New York Times has, I don't know how many reporters in the newsroom. I imagine a thousand, I think. Whatever. I think
1: I think they've got a thousand yeah. people so, that work at the New York Times.
6: Right. When I worked at the Denver Post and the ADF newspapers, there are four hundred people, I think, there. So you're talking about there used to be a lot of reporters doing a lot of work and having very specific beats and so on where it's very difficult to do. But I just don't see any other way to combat this because I think journalism has been corrupted by journalism from journalism professors all the way up the line to the top editors. Um they've turned on free speech, they've turned on it's not even it's not biased anymore. That is completely something you can deal with. It's much worse than that. So I don't know. I don't really have answers to what we what we meaning anyone who is upset by that can do. Um, I think right wingers need to start their own journalistic outfits and do the work. Um, but I wish there were very much places that the AP or Reuters pretend to be, you know, just people who just give us, the, you know, just the bare bones facts about what's going on out there. I think, that, by the way, um, I, I think there really is
1: helpful. a you know, there, there could be a market for that. I Uh, For example, you know, if there was a place if there was a place that did what CNN laughably pretends to do, I would be I mean, I would be reading it. I'd be checking in. I mean, I'd kind of want to see what I could what I could gather from that for my own purposes. If I if I knew that I could trust the information was accurate. Right. And that I wasn't getting all this nonsense. I mean, if you if you're a. I mean, I know I'm picking on CNN and there are many others. I and mean, CNN, I do think, is the worst offender in this regard. And it's gotten much worse even in the last four years. I'll say that, having had personal experience of working at CNN and, and knowing it's gotten even even crazier. Uh, but but it seems to me, Brian, that, I mean, uh, uh, David, sorry. It seems to me, I just saw uh, Kilmeade's face flashed on a screen for a second and I got, uh, you know, this is the problem with having screens in your, in your radio room. Um, David, it seems to me that the way that we... We can fight against this is also severely limited by the fact that the social media companies now and I feel like the old like the Fox News watching generation, for example, people like me talk about YouTube and, and, you know, and and Twitter. And it's like, ah, this is no, this is the new mainstream media like they're more powerful than CNN. I'm trying to get everyone to understand that, even if people who are of a certain age and certain demo don't use these things.
6: Well, I think you're right in that, um, you know, people often point out a very, very small percentage of Americans actually use Twitter, but, you know, and that of that percentage, very few use it all the time. But I do think that that things that happen on Twitter tend to filter up into the news and elsewhere. So I think it's that's more true. important than, than the credit that's given to it. But I also think it's been an amazing way for conservatives to combat things. Now, I get that Twitter, like, I, I, I think that, Twitter is both terrible and excellent at the same time. It's both makes us terrible human beings. It it allows fake news to filter. It makes us, you know, there's all kinds of terrible things going on. But honestly, how many big stories have there been debunked on Twitter by Twitter users in the last four, you know, eight years? I think many, right? First, it was blogs that were doing it, and now you have people on Twitter doing it. So it is an important tool, and that's why I worry about stripping liability protections from these Folks, because I think you're going to kill social media in a way, and then that gives gatekeepers even more control because you're going to have less ways for a democratized uh, way for people to talk to each other. So again, I don't have any good answers for this, but I think that, uh, that talking to yourself on Parler, which is a fine site, whatever, is not helping you in the sense that being out there being able to debunk what CNN is saying in real time on Twitter, if you have a big following and you do. Um, is much more effective so giving up that fight and going to another platform i don't know that that's really the answer to i would it. say
1: this too um and i just that we have learned so much about what is true about these journalists and how they think because of twitter finally it took it yeah. took a while for people to realize this but the guy who's tweeting orange man bad he's basically hitler at 10 a.m is not doing a fair recitation of the White House press conference at 4 p.m. And I think that that has been an enormous benefit of Twitter.
6: Yeah, and if I may add, it's not just journalists, though. You Now you see what they're really about, the things they tweet, the exclamation points on stories, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're just completely unprofessional, and this goes for the vast majority of them. But you also see it with college professors. You know, my kids are going to go to college soon, and um, – I'm like, I used to have a list. I'm like, I cannot send them to this college because this idiot or this unintellectual crackpot teaches there. But now there are too many schools with that I've seen professors from everywhere that, that I don't even know where
1: it's everywhere. I, I so, don't give a dollar to my college and I have zero regrets about that. I can tell you that <laughs> David Harsanyi, everybody check him out. nationalreview.com. And if you're not following him on Twitter and you're on Twitter, you should be David Harsanyi. Kind of spell it out phonetically. You'll get there. David, thanks so much. Thank
0: you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
7: But I have a real problem with the CDC's recommendations for what to do over the holiday period. You know, it's nuanced. It's basically saying don't get together, but if you are going to get together, do these things. That's like telling somebody don't drive drunk. But if you do drive drunk, these are the best ways to do it. We have to be really hard. I don't care if I'm accused of being the Grinch that stole Christmas. But you know what? I want you to be around for next Christmas and the Christmas after that. So...
1: They now tell you this is Osterholm, the main Biden COVID advisor, telling you that the CDC is at fault here or is criticizing the CDC because they're suggesting that if you decide that you're going to spend time with your family, here are the safest ways to do it. That that's not a unified message. They need the totalitarian message of you are not allowed to see anyone. You are not allowed to go anywhere. You are not allowed to do anything because of COVID-19. That's the message. That's what has to be said by everyone. And those of us who reject this and who say, no, this is wrong. This should not happen. We are shouted down. We are shouted over. New York City just announced today, as I had told you for weeks, and as I've said for months that they would have lockdown 2.0 in New York, and I have said for weeks they're going to close indoor dining, and here we are being told on Monday They are closing all indoor dining. You cannot sit in a restaurant and eat a meal. Doesn't matter that the waiters or servers, whatever the servers are, masked up. Doesn't matter that they wear gloves. If they have these special air filters in place, doesn't matter. They don't care. The plexiglass, the the creation of these outdoor dining areas that are actually kind of indoor. None of that. Nope. Not enough. Not enough. Shutting it down. Restaurants will go out of business by the thousand here. And they're they've already done this in L.A. They're going to I don't even know the status of Chicago is right now. I got to check. But city after city is going to go down this same path. We seem to learn nothing. What is this really doing? You know what's going to happen? The cases are going to stay high. There are going to be a lot of cases for the next 30 days and probably the next six weeks. And then the cases will start to go down. You know what they'll say? See, it's because we shut down indoor dining and we wore our masks. Such like such good little boys and girls. That's what they'll tell you. I'm telling you right now. That's what they'll say. But it'll still mean you got to wear a mask. It'll still mean you, you got to keep on doing what they say. And it's going to take a long time for it to go down. And and this is this reminds me of the old uh, the old doctor joke. You know what? Do you, how do you treat a how do you treat a cold? You can, you know, take something for seven days or or actually I'm completely mess. I'm just pulling a George W. Bush. I'm messing up the uh, treat it for seven days or wait a week and see how you're doing or something. It's something like that. I forget. You you can you can treat it for seven days or you can just wait a week and you'll be okay Um, That's what we're running into here with this covid stuff where these lockdowns. Yeah, I'm sure within the next 90 days, the case in the load will start to go down. It'll actually be the next six to eight weeks, probably the next six weeks. Not because of their locking down indoor dining, though, as much as they'll tell you otherwise.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Big story this week about Eric Swalwell, member of Congress and on the Intelligence Committee, no less, in the House, who was targeted by a Chinese spy. People are now paying more attention than they have in quite some time to. Chinese espionage and influence operations in the United States. I wanted you all to get a real sense of how far and wide those operations really are. And so we're bringing on our friend Gordon Chang to tell you about it right now. He's the author of a book you can get right now, Ebook, The Great U.S. China Tech War. And you can follow him on Twitter, Gordon G. Chang. If you want to know what's going on with China, you should. Gordon, thanks so much. Thank you, Buck. So, Gordon, take us just from from the broad strokes here, because I've spent some time on the Swalwell case this week and we can dig into that in a moment. But what do people need to know about Chinese Communist Party influence and espionage operations as a as a systematic threat that's been going on for years in the U.S.?
7: Yeah, well, China's operations against the U.S. have been going on for years and indeed decades, and they are at all levels of society. We're talking not just the White House, not just the House and Senate, but also down to municipalities. You know, the most interesting detail about the Swalwell investigation is that they first came into contact with him, not when he was on the House Intel Committee, which of course would be of value to them, but when he was a council member in Dublin City, California. They started early. They helped to promote his campaigns. They obviously were trying to infiltrate him. To influence him. And indeed, in a sense, it may have worked, because even after the FBI warned him that there was a possible Ministry of State Security agent um, in his inner circle, um, Swalwell didn't talk about China's threat to the US. It was all Russia, Russia, Russia. And I think that was certainly helping China, because that's one of their narratives, that it's not them. So um, we've got to be concerned. And and remember. Swalwell was just one individual. They're doing this across the country. No other nation has posed such a big intelligence threat to the United States ever.
1: Now, tell us about some of the ways that they influence specifically on on the corporate side. And and just if you can add, add a little context here for the ways that they can exert influence in a in a in a fashion that that moves the needle for them but that may not be as obvious to people. I mean, we know that they're trying to get classified information. We know about the cyber side of things. Uh, we hear more about that than we do this other, these other aspects. But uh, on influence operations, how, are, how is the Chinese Communist Party, I mean, the NBA, for example, right? We know the NBA doesn't want to go against the CCP. Where else are there pressure points in, in what we're seeing day to day?
7: Well, I'll take something from the headlines, and this is the other side of the aisle. The Republican governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, you know, he uh, always touts um, the uh, investment opportunities uh, for China in the Peach State. Um, he was actually um, proud to be pictured next to Houston's Consul General from China um, before, of course, the consulate consul was closed by the State Department in July. So really what they try to do is they go after all of the states. They go after many of the cities, um, dangling out sister city projects, Also, um, you know, trade and investment, all the rest of it. So this is multidimensional. And it's sometimes it looks harmless, as it does in the case of Georgia. But uh, it's part of one malicious campaign. Whether we're talking Brian Kemp, Eric Swalwell, or whomever.
1: We're talking to Gordon Chang, author of The Great U.S.-China Tech War. And you can follow him on Twitter, Gordon G., as in Gordon, Gordon G. Chang. Uh, Gordon, tell me about the tech aspects of this and what we should be prepared for going forward. I know you've written a book on this recently.
7: Yeah, what I um, tried to do was to look at China's tech challenge to the U.S. Because if we go back a decade ago, China was not considered to be a uh, competitor to the U.S. in tech. But now in certain areas, in certain crucial areas, China is actually ahead of the U.S. So, for instance, in quantum communications, they're not far behind in quantum computing, which is even more important. Um, they can even be ahead if we take their claims at face value of their new supercomputer. Um, all sorts of things like artificial intelligence, big data, um, they are even with us, if not ahead. Um, this is a multi-dimensional challenge. China's trying to collect the DNA of Americans. And the question is, what's up with that? Um, they've been doing that by hacking, you know, Anthem, the second largest health insurer, that uh, hack was disclosed in early 2015. We know that they're buying up companies with DNA profiles of Americans. They offer subsidized um, DNA analysis. So if you go to an ancestry company, Chances are that China has gotten your DNA. Um, So this is really a a challenge to us really across the board.
1: What would China want with DNA, Gordon?
7: Two things, Buck. Um, First of all, um, biotechnology is one of the 10 areas that's designated in their Made in China 2025 plan. That's a 10-year program to dominate uh, technology. But there's something even um, sinister about this. And and as China's collecting American and the DNA of others, um, it is also restricting, essentially prohibiting, the transfer of Chinese DNA to foreigners. Um, They they talk about how they wanna be cooperative with the world, but they don't want us to see genetic material of of Chinese. And many people suspect, uh, including some in the US government, that China is actually using DNA um, genetic information to, to design diseases um, targeting certain ethnic or racial groups. Now, um, this gets to the point where we've got to be obviously critically concerned because we saw what the coronavirus did. Um, and imagine if it were engineered. I mean, some people say it was engineered, but whether it was engineered or not, it has crippled American society and it's now killed about two hundred ninety thousand Americans.
1: What Gordon uh, what Gordon is allowing China? Is it all just straight up lying about the numbers and suppression? Because we, we hear all the covid numbers coming out of Europe. We hear about them in South America. And obviously we're in a very bad spot right now with covid in the U.S. We don't hear about huge outbreaks in China right now, or at least it's certainly not making to the news cycle. What's going on?
7: A uh, great question, because the answer is. We don't know. Um, we do know that on January 26th, the Communist Party formed its leading group on the coronavirus, which is essentially China's task force. And over the nine person roster, there was only one health official. The rest of them were propaganda workers, as they're called in China, and Communist Party um, hacks. So you can see that really their emphasis was controlling the narrative. And since that time, end of January, we haven't heard very much about what's going on in China because they are suppressing information. You know, my sense is that they have fewer cases than we do, far fewer, um, because they use draconian methods, but we really don't know. We hear about outbreaks across the country periodically, um, including big cities like Shanghai, and then the news is just disappeared. So I think that essentially they do have a problem, they haven't mastered it, Um, But nonetheless, it's not as serious as ours.
1: Gordon, what is it that the Chinese Communist Party wants to be the foreign policy going forward? I mean, Trump clearly confronted them in a way that they were not used to. Uh, If we do go into a Biden administration here, what is it that the Chinese Communist Party wants to be our viewpoint? You know, essentially, what are they trying to achieve with the influence operations put aside, and the espionage is clear, right? They want to steal our most valuable intellectual property and technology. And, and they've been doing this for many, many years and gotten away with. Well, we can't really it's incalculable, right? We can't actually even know the full scope and damage. But in terms of what they want, our perception to be and what they'd want a Biden administration foreign policy to look like. What's the, What does that look like?
7: Well, they want whoever is inaugurated on January 20 um, to express subservience to China because we had seen this year, Buck, China try to overthrow the government of the United States. Um, And we know that Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, has the view that there is only one sovereign state in the world and only one sovereign ruler. And that, of course, is China and Xi Jinping himself. So these are are designs. You You know, a lot of people say, oh, China just wants to replace the U.S. at the top of the international system. That's wrong. China wants to overthrow that international system and replace it with this notion of worldwide Chinese rule. And we have seen that they're willing to go to any lengths in order to accomplish that, including inciting violence on American streets, which is what they did this year, which is more than just subversion. That's an act of war against the United States. So what we can see is that China is trying to change our form of government so that we are subservient to China and that we're no longer a sovereign republic. I know many people think that that is an extreme statement, but nonetheless, that is consistent with what we have seen China do. And the more benign interpretations of their goals are not consistent with the facts.
1: Jordan, uh, Gordon, I'm, I'm sure that, that it got uh, uh, people's attention when you mentioned violence on, on U.S. streets uh, in, instigated by China. T- tell us about that.
7: Yes. Radio Free Asia has a report. You know, we, we've heard, of course... The State Department closed the Houston consulate in July, China's consulate. And the State Department said it was a hub of espionage. Well, that is uh, fits all five of the then Chinese consulates and indeed the embassy itself. Um, Radio Free Asia reports that an intelligence unit of the People's Liberation Army based themselves in the Houston consulate. And there they were using big data and artificial intelligence to identify Americans likely to participate in Antifa and Black Lives Matter protests. And then the Chinese military sent those Americans videos via TikTok on how to riot. So that is an act of war. Also, you know, we have seen um, the uh, Bureau Chief for Europe of China Daily, which is an official Communist Party publication, actually on Twitter encourage Americans to incited Americans to commit violence so this is um, this is across the board China policy right now um, and that is uh, the most malign and uh, that we can think of
1: Gordon Chang everybody check out the great US China tech war and follow him on Twitter Gordon G Chang Gordon always appreciate it thanks for your expertise thank you Buck
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
7: I also don't think we should get too far ahead of ourselves on dealing with police reform in that because they've already labeled us as being defund the police. Anything we put forward in terms of the organizational structure to change policing, which I promise you will occur. Promise you. Just think to yourself and give me advice whether we should do that before January 5th, because that's how they beat the living hell out of us across the country, saying that we're talking about defunding the police. We're not. We're talking about holding them accountable.
1: Biden didn't get the memo from the left. I know left wing activists and there are Bernie supporting folks out there. People tell, you no, when they say defund the police, you know what they mean? Defund the police. No, they're serious about it. See, see, the Democrats keep keep hoping they can convince everyone, oh, no, 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 that's not what we, when we say that thing, it's not what we mean. We, don't, we say defund the police, we mean is you know, accountability. No, no, that is not, that is not in fact what the Democrat activist base wants. They, they, they want no more of this. They want defunding of police. There you go. Biden, though, is telling you what's obvious. And of course, our media won't ever pick up on this because they don't want to upset their uh, a portion of their viewers who are left wing lunatics. Uh, This was bad for Democrats in these House races. This really hurt. It's a good thing that Joe Biden had enough political consultants around him to tell him, hey, the numbers on this are not good. Don't don't go down this AOC, Ilhan Omar, defund the police crazy path. Don't do that because then you won't be able to fool enough Americans into thinking that you're like moderate, good old Uncle Joe. You know, that was the big that was the big problem. But there are going to be a lot of fights about policing uh, in the next four years. That's for sure. The Democrats are convinced that they've gotten they've created these these beachheads. They have these footholds uh, in and they change the language around all this. They, they talk about how, you know, police violence is this great threat to to. Uh, Black and brown communities. And this is what they'll always say all the time. I mean, here, here's uh, Karen Bass, who was at one point being talked about uh, as a possible VP for Biden. Here she is telling everybody what her view of policing is. Play 19.
4: My understanding from the proposal, it is that it's a proposal about racial equity. And I think considering the historical moment that we're in post George Floyd, where people finally in the United States understand that the issue of policing is a question of systemic racism. We understand because of COVID, the underlying health conditions. And so we have real issues in this country. And what we saw over the last few months is that maybe we can address some of these issues. I think it makes absolute sense to do that at the highest level. Why
1: is it an issue of, of systemic racism exactly? I, I really would like to have more of this. Con- I'd, I'd like to know what, what is the systemic racism in law enforcement. I might have been getting into does it exist or not. I, I don't. I, mean, I think the answer is no. But nonetheless, l- let's just get past that for right now. What is it? What does it mean? And if we're going to talk about disparate impact which is this doctrine of when some groups are affected by things more than others, inherently there must be a racial animus or racial inequality involved in that. Well, I mean, as I've said to you, that's not, that's not necessarily true because then you'd have to address the, the Asian supremacist U.S. system where we have Asian Americans out-earning White households in this country, and they have been, I think, for about the last 15 or 20 years. And they've also had more economic gains under the Trump administration than any other group. So it's kind of a strange system of white supremacy when it doesn't actually make sure that white people are advanced at the expense of of other people in this country. Right. So so you have to start with with the facts, what we know. And you can also look at, as I point out, gender inequality. uh, Sorry, I should say gender disparate impact. Um, violent crimes are 90% plus committed by men. It is not anti-male that there are more violent criminals who are prosecuted who are men. That's just, that's just, we have laws, they're applicable, and that's how it shakes out. So I just need, I need to know where is this systemic racism in law enforcement? Explain, they say this, and we're all supposed to nod. but what is systemically racist in our, Uh, Our our cops are are mostly racist. Is that what it means? I I just want answers, but they're not going to give us answers, are they? They're going to give us lectures.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. The media continues to claim there's no such thing as voter fraud, even though there's lots and lots of voter fraud. Ann Coulter joins us now. She's written a column about just that, anncoulter.com. You can read about it. Tons of fraud cases. Let's dive into it. Ann, so great to have you. Thanks for joining.
4: Great to be here, Buck Sexton. So we do have
1: an issue here, Ann, because I, I have seen many of the journals telling us many times on TV and in various columns and things that there was no evidence of fraud in this election which would be quite strange because in a, in a national election with over, what, 150 million, 160 million votes cast or whatever it was, I uh, feel like there's going to be some fraud. Why not this election?
4: <laughs> well, yes, and plus, which combine that with 100 years of Democratic fraud, and I'm sorry, it is always a Democrat, starting with Tammany Hall before the Civil War in New York with Boss Tweed. His famous quote was. Uh, it doesn't matter who casts a ballot. It matters who counts the ballots. Um, and you know, it was a joke. They've done it forever. Um, Chicago, it's gone back forever. I know someone who used to steal votes for the Democrats in Chicago. They would just, I mean, that's why Chicago was always the last place to report in Illinois. They'd wait to see how many votes they needed. If it was a big enough win, and it should have been a big enough win with Trump, if he had kept his promises. Um, sorry, just had to throw that in. Um, but if it's close, they'd say, okay, how many votes do, do we need? And they just vote, vote, vote. But, but it's, what's weird about the media, I mean, it's just like this Hunter Biden thing. No, this is false news. This is Russian disinformation. And then suddenly, oh, I guess there is a Department of Justice investigation. Um, the way the media deny obvious, obvious truths, there's, there's no vote fraud. We've asked election officials. Um, no No, 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 no vote fraud ever it's just the extremity of their claim they don't claim that about so many other things As they say in the column they don't say partial birth abortion No, it never happens never 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 um we never have black men shooting cops never happens but when it comes to voter fraud uh it's it's okay maybe there were two cases and they were both republicans um just in the last I don't know, 10 or 15 years, there were three spectacular cases of voter fraud, many, many, many others. Um, but the three I, I go through are, are John Ashcroft, Christine um, in, in Missouri, clearly had a Senate election stolen from him. Do you know Rossi had a, the governor's election stolen from him in, in the state of Washington to Christine Grigori? And in 2008, you know, back in the ancient colonial days of 2008, how can we expect a journalist to remember that? Um, there was the Al Franken case. In in all cases, um, well, actually the second two ballots <laughs> suddenly coming in after after the polls had closed in statistically impossible ways. All of the ballots favoring Al Franken, for example, all of the ballots favoring Christine gregory in Washington State. Um, at the time, a majority of Washington voters. Uh, that one was 2004. Uh, majority of washington voters said this, there was fraud in this election it should be rerun they just kept counting 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 and oh look i found another another box of ballots for gregory and it was basically the same thing with al frank and in that case there later there were investigations more than a thousand felons had voted illegally um, the stunning thing was there were more than a hundred convictions for voter fraud based on the 2008 election that Al Franken lost election night, lost several days after the election, but over the next several weeks just kept counting, counting, and somehow it kept benefiting Franken, but not not the incumbent, or I guess the governor. Um, no, it was the incumbent, Norm Coleman. Um, There were more than 100 convictions for voter fraud in that election that Al Franken won by about 300 votes, and they could have kept, they could have pursued it, but they stopped at whatever it was, 112 or something like that. What's stunning about that is you have to prove intent. So the voter, you could get out of of being found guilty of voter fraud by just saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea. In other words, the voter fraud was so blatant, so flagrant, One more than 100 convictions in that election. And of course, Al Franken was the 60th, 60th vote that gave us Obamacare. So it makes a difference. It's always Democrats. Part of the reason it's always Democrats. Um, For those of you, you Democrats listening out there, um, this is unfair. She's a Republican. I'm sure Republicans do it, too. Oh, maybe we'd like to. I promise you, we couldn't get away with it. Look at our media. If you want clean government, vote Republican, because the media will not allow investigations of Democrats, whether it's vote fraud or it's Hunter Biden. They will not allow it. So and plus, which is the history with all of the Democrat machine cities.
1: Yeah. You know, Anna, are you following this? uh, Speaking of of tight races, you know, there's a Democrat uh, congressional candidate out in Iowa. Right. Rita Hart. And Uh she's she's challenging. She lost by. Six votes. She was behind after a recount. Six, and and it's funny because a friend of mine brought this to my attention and said that Republican Marionette Miller Meeks was declared the winner. But now there's all this. Now effectively, the Democrat has asked uh, for the how for for the Democrat-controlled Iowa State House uh, to overturn this certified result which i think is so funny because i if you do that aren't you destroying democracy but the friend who sent this to me was like a very kind of cynical but knowledgeable political guy was like it's not even worth getting upset about buck they're just going to steal it
4: (laughs) that's what i'm like yes oh six votes no that's that's a day at the beach that's nothing for the democrats um how about that seat in upstate new york i forget her first name Tenny, who clearly had won and they were doing the same thing have they stolen that one yet
1: uh, I got to check on that one. I saw that one, too. Yeah, I mean, this is, but this is what happens, right? It's, it's, it's somehow we all, whenever this, whenever it gets into this phase and there's mysterious votes that are being found, they do benefit a Democrat. We're speaking to Ann Coulter, everybody, anncoulter.com. She's got great, you know, they're, they're short but punchy breakdowns of some of the cases of fraud. I mean, the Franken one is amazing. I mean, weren't they actually finding, like, oh, we had 150 ballots for Franken. We found in the trunk of a car.
4: <laughs> yes. And, I mean, the two the two things that made um, any reasonable observer at the time know that this was fraud that was happening was that um, Franken was, every recount, suddenly, you know, oh, another thousand votes for Franken. I mean, just statistically with that many counties, the recounts don't keep benefiting. The, the surprise... Look, we found another box of ballots. It was behind the Xerox machine. Nobody's, oh my gosh, it, it heavily favors Franken. That, the odds just um, make that very statistically improbable. Um, but on top of that, on, a, on election night, um, as y- y- you know, anyone familiar with Franken, he's a repellent human being, um, he was running in a Democratic state in, in an election, same year, with the most popular Democrat run for office in our lifetimes, um, and probably no matter how long we live in our lifetimes, Barack Obama. So election night, Obama had won Minnesota by hundreds of, he got hundreds of thousands of votes, more than Al Franken did. When they did the recount, Franken was outnumbering additional votes, um, three to one versus Obama. No, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> so suddenly, suddenly, Franken is dramatically
1: face. outpacing Obama when they're finding these additional votes. <laughs> that does seem a little. That seems a little fishy. But you know, and this is the this is the problem I have. And you know, I've got Sean Parnell joining later, and he's the congressman. He's he's a good a good friend of mine, and he's the I'm sorry, not congressman, congressional candidate who was running in Pennsylvania, and he's trying to bring this suit uh, up to the Supreme Court if he can, looking at Act 77 and looking at you know all the things going on there. And and here's the here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I bring up different instances of what seem to be clear fraud. But is it just that it's really hard to prove? I mean, in Georgia, for example, let's let's just go to Georgia. Mm-hmm. They went from, I think, two or three percent rejection rate on mail in ballots to I think mm-hmm. it's point zero three percent. So how is it that you have far more people doing yeah. this process, but one one hundredth of the rejected ballots? I, yes. I don't believe that, but why can't we? Well, prove that's this? because
4: of coincidentally. Glad we were talking about Al Franken, um, the lawyer who headed up the vote theft in the two thousand eight Al Fank- Franken race was this Mark Elias. He's the one who brought suit against Georgia that, that resulted in the consent decree that made um, you know the, com- the comparison of signatures um, to throw a, a ballot. I mean, part. I should back up and say. The way you make, if you care about um, honesty in elections, which the New York Times, for example, has purported to, their big argument on, oh, no, it's impossible to commit fraud. Is the ballots have to be signed, and your signature is on file with your voter's registration. So they say we, com- we compare signatures. Don't worry. It's foolproof. We compare signatures, which actually isn't a bad point. It's hard to forge a signature, especially if you don't know what it's supposed to look like. But Mark Elias' lawsuit um, so watered down the signature matching requirements that basically if there is lettering on a ballot, it would be accepted. Which is why going forward for the most important election of our lifetimes, and it is this January 5th, um, if, if Democrats have the presidency, the House, and the Senate, we are getting instant amnesty. Republicans will never win another election. January 5th, Georgia, absolutely important for I mean, just for Republicans to have a bare, bare majority in the Senate, so the Democrats don't do crazy things um, going forward on that election, the governor and the head of elections have got to, be, and and the poll watchers have got to be serious about that signature matching. That is everything. And the stat you just gave, what did you say? It was two um, percent got yeah, about thrown 2% out, two percent
1: to point zero three, something like that. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that's that's we saw we saw English lettering on the outside of the ballot. They're just accepting. All absentee ballots so the precise the precise foolproof method of preventing fraud in mail-in ballots just written about by the New York Times back in June was not followed it better be followed in January or i promise you democrats are stealing that those two runoffs
1: by the way you mentioned mark uh, elias uh, he is I, I believe the also the lawyer representing I'm checking on it. I think he's the one representing yeah, the, I- the Iowa Steel effort. By the way, he's <laughs> this guy. Really, oh, really? Yeah, I think so.
4: Gonna... Well, he's also the one um, who who paid for the. He was the pass through for the Russian dossier. Oh.
1: <laughs> this guy really gets. This guy gets all over the place. He gets around. I got. I got to talk to him a little bit. We're speaking to Ed Coulter, everybody, and and I just before we let you get back to uh, writing columns and fighting a good fight. Um, uh, so it, it's kind of fun to see these side-by-sides of what the most esteemed journos, I mean, Jake Tapper, who I, I, I find among the surliest, most thin-skinned, and vicious of all the journos, and I know, <laughs> I know him a bit, he's a horrible human being, by the way, um, he, he retweeted that New York Times story, right, so Tapper's showing it everywhere, the New York Times story about how there was dissent in the ranks at the New York Post publishing this hunter biden thing it was so dishonest i mean what they were doing was so obviously running cover for a democrat right in the absolute heat of an election yep does it d- does anyone not see this for what it is i mean so you see i think now we're at a point where democrats in these newsrooms go yeah high five job well done guys we yeah. are helping the dnc they, they no longer really think they're journalists they can't
4: no, and it really is. Everyone needs to remember how Twitter banned the New York Post from 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 any tweets because it had tweeted out an article on on Hunter Biden's um, scurrilous business deals before the election. This is fake news. It's fake news. It's Russian disinformation. In fact, we're not letting the New York Post tweet anything. Anyone who tweeted anything about the Hunter Biden. Um, funny business, to, to funnel money to, on, on behalf of his elected official, um, Joe Biden, the vice president, his father at the time. Um, he's using he's using the office of his father's, the vice president, to shake down foreign countries. Um, wow, is that illegal? Um, that was that was buried by our mainstream media, ridiculed as fake news. We now find out there is a major um, investigation of this, but from the federal offices, I guess, in Delaware.
1: Any reason why they shouldn't appoint a special counsel in this end? I feel like this
4: oh, I think I retweeted you on that. That was a very good point you made. Um, yes, you're right. There, uh, yes, 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 yes. There should be a special counsel. The whole point of a special counsel. Um, is not to bedevil a president you're really annoyed got elected, <laughs> as the last special counsel was. It is because if, if the the administration in power, the people in power, if they are the ones under investigation, the idea is, well, we can't have the guy, the attorney general, the, the assistant attorney generals who were appointed by the president, just for example, the president, investigate the president. So we need a special counsel, independent, can't be fired. Well, this is an investigation of in very, very, very directly involving the man who will be the president of the United States as of January 20th. So, yes, if anything has ever cried out for a special counsel, now will Democrats be honorable and say, well, of course, there has to be a special counsel. No, probably not. So you're right. Um, Bill Barr should appoint one right now.
1: Love it. Coulter approved, everybody. And she's actually a lawyer. So there we go. I just play one on radio. Go to ancoulter.com every Wednesday for her uh, syndicated column when it comes out there. And great to have you. We'll talk soon.
4: Good to talk to you.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show
3: podcast. Unless you get the overwhelming majority of the country vaccinated and protected and get that umbrella of what we call herd immunity, there's still a lot of virus out there. So just because you're protected, so-called protected by the vaccine, you need to remember that you could be prevented from getting clinical disease and still have the virus that is in your nasopharynx because you could get infected. We're not sure at this point that the vaccine protects you against getting infected. We know for sure it's very, very good. 94, 95 percent in protecting you against clinically recognizable disease and almost 100 percent in protecting you for severe disease. But until you have virus that is so low in society, we as a nation need to continue to wear the mask, to keep the physical distance, to avoid crowds. We're not through with this just because we're starting a vaccine program, even though you as an individual, might have gotten vaccinated it is not over by any means we still have a long way to go and we've got to get as many people as possible vaccinated of all groups
1: i hate this idiot i really do i'm just gonna say it so now you notice what he said we don't know so even though we don't know if you could still have the virus and give it to people after you're vaccinated you got to mask up and you got a social distance and mask up and social distance is the camel's nose in the tent for all the other lockdowns and all the other craziness. So it doesn't go away. We've got a vaccine, but it's not done yet. It's done when Fauci and lockdowners say it's done. Someone should tell them to go blank off, really. This guy's the worst. The worst. He's saying he doesn't even know, but, oh, we've got to be cautious. We've got to be cautious. The caution is costing us, Fauci. The caution is not without its downside. It's not just, oh, you know, uh, be a little careful. It's restaurants shut down, businesses closed, people isolated, people dying from depression and alcoholism and cancer that's not diagnosed. There's a lot. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, you know, you could still, even if you can't get the disease, maybe you still get it. We don't know. He doesn't know. He's just, he's just going with his gut. You going to believe this guy's gut? It's the worst. This guy, this guy is a policy cancer. Awful, absolutely awful. But oh, the liberals love him. Another thing I'm just gonna say: the president went on a little tear about the FDA. The FDA should have already had this thing approved. I've talked to people in the federal government at a very high level, saying why is the FDA oh a couple more days, a couple more days? What the hell are they doing? The FDA, are we are we interrupting their lunch break? They got something else they gotta do than look at this vaccine data? A few more days, a few more days. What do you mean a few more days? Now. It should have been last week. Bureaucrats. Thanks for listening to the Buck
0: Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats. It's time for roll call.
1: Roll call. Facebook.com/slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. Well, producer Mark, I hope you've stocked up on uh, frozen mac and cheese, chicken tenders. What's like? What's like the emergency s- uh, snack supply in in Markville because uh, they're shutting down indoor dining in New York City in, on Monday.
5: Snack supply or extra food supply?
1: Extra food supply.
5: Uh, I always like to have some sort of... I I really like now the air fried chicken cutlets.
1: What is this air fryer thing? Do I need to get one of these? You
5: absolutely need to get one of these. It's amazing. I have this huge, gigantic one. So basically, you take any frozen food. So say you want frozen french fries. Normally, you'd put them in the oven, right? Yeah. Put them in the air fryer, and they taste like you just got them from a restaurant out of the actual fryer but they're not as unhealthy Wow it's amazing you can cook anything in it too I've made chicken cutlets you know breaded chicken cutlets I'm sure they have gluten- free bread cr- crumbs for you oh it's yeah incredible. of course
1: I, I already have I've got a whole thing of uh, gluten- free flour yeah. snow princess air could fryer. make you
5: chicken cutlets in the air fryer and it'll taste better than the oven and it'll taste like it was golden brown oh, there's
1: like an air I can get air fryer here 90 bucks yeah. 60 bucks it's not bad
5: I, I have like a, the jumbo one
1: that's kind of amazing, yeah. actually. I've never used one of these I have
5: before. never had a better kitchen appliance, if I'm being honest.
1: When did you get this thing?
5: Uh, a couple months ago.
1: Okay, so relatively new. Yeah. That's cool. It's a
5: new fad. It's like one of the big gifts for uh, Christmas this year.
1: Huh. I, I think I'm going to have to get one of these. And so uh, what, you are you, what have you... It. So you, you said french fries, which already that's like... French fries like a weakness for me. I love French yeah. fries. But like, what's, what's Literally in the mix here? anything
5: you could imagine that you would like to fry, You put it in there instead. And you can cook regular stuff, too. I put a sweet potato in there the other day, and it came out crispy on the outside with the skin and, and perfect on the inside. Wow. I have a whole cookbook, the air fryer cookbook.
1: Actually, I mean, I'm looking at these things. See, this is what always happens. Late in the show, we always get hungry. and now exactly. I'm air It's always and food thinking talk. I'm thinking French fries. Yeah, I'd say I'd say chicken nugs because I've got uh, I've got frozen chicken nugs. Um, those are my that's like my yeah. uh, I got to have those. And like that's like, in, you know, not not in a case of emergency, but that's my ultimate backup. you like you are you hungry. Nugs,
5: you just have want something to eat. It's there.
1: Yeah, it's there. And I got a bunch of different sauces in the fridge. I got different, you know, I got some uh, aioli. Well, easy one to do. Just take a little bit of mayo. And I, I really like this Sir Kensington fancy mayo. I think it's very good. And you, because, uh, yeah, that's right, fancy mayo. It's a thing. And you mix in some hot sauce, just like Frank's hot sauce or something. You make your own spicy mayo. Great for uh, chicken nugs.
5: You know my thoughts just, on mayonnaise.
1: Yeah, that's right. You don't like mayonnaise. You know the Snow Princess doesn't like milk, by the way? Huh. Doesn't like milk. And I look at her, I'm like, but you're so Snow Princess-y. Like, you're from, like, America, or practically the Midwest. And you don't like milk? I don't know. I think it's...
5: Does so she not like milk in things, or she just won't drink a glass of milk?
1: She just no does anything that she doesn't like the taste of milk.
5: So like milk chocolate, she won't.
1: No milk chocolate, she can do because it doesn't taste enough like. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But she just tell. I brought her like a a a, a sweet like moose treat because she's studying so hard for business school stuff, and she didn't like it because it tastes like milk. She said. I was like, what? I couldn't eat it because it had gluten in it. So That's I couldn't a, try see, it. See, I
5: so. understand not liking a glass of milk when you're an adult. Just not liking the taste of milk in general, oh, and anything
1: that's big. a little strange. Some some of you folks out there who are who are saying reasonable people know sometimes a big old glass of whole milk, nicely chilled, with a some kind of a sweet, you know, a chocolate chip cookie or a, just that's a piece of chocolate. different if
5: you have a cookie or
1: something. Uh, ah, so then the milk tastes good all of a sudden. Yes. I think you're I think you're changing my it up wife here, won't
5: have cookies without milk. It's insane. We'll have cookies in the house, and she'll be like, We have any milk? And I'll say no, and she'll be like, then I'm not having cookies.
1: I mean, at least, yeah. you know, at least she's consistent. That's true. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a good that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right. And like I said before, everybody should please uh, check out um, BuckSaxon.com. So that would be a great thing to check out bucksexon.com. We've got stories going up there. I will be posting an editorial soon which you will all be seeing, and make that, a, make that a place that you just check in frequently. And we also have uh, some roll call to get to. And I, I got to think of something. I got to do some, I don't know, maybe some Facebook Lives where I just kind of hang out with people from the team. It's not like I'm doing monologues. I just get to sit and chill with people because we're, New York is about to turn into the, uh, just a total frozen lockdown zone here. There's no one going to be doing anything. We'll be doing our shows, obviously, but I mean, day to day. But I, well, you know, exciting news, producer Mark. I do have some exciting news for you. Yes. Uh, my producer um, is named Mark. No, that wasn't my exciting news. I just huh. had a brain lapse there. I just, I just pulled the Biden. I thought you were no, telling me something pro- about me. Yeah, my brother, my little brother Keats, is a great guy. Uh, the greatest little brother ever. He is uh, he's engaged, which is exciting in itself. That happened a little while ago. But him and his fiance just got a puppy. Wow. And it's adorable. And I get to meet it this weekend. It's like eight weeks old, too. You know, when puppies are so small and like energetic that they're just these little sort of frenzied balls of fur that are just bouncing around. It's like that. It's It's a it's a cockapoo. That's actually what those are my favorite. Oh, you like them. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cockapoo. Um, I I don't think it's a malty poo I think it's a cockapoo Or maybe, no, maybe it's a cavapoo It's something poo I don't know But it's one of those But it's very cute
5: All of the poos are the best dogs
1: Yeah all the poo The poo is great And and uh, it's a, one of the cute ones So we're very I'm very excited I'm going to get to play with them this weekend I just hope Tallulah Who's my beautiful old lady uh, Frenchie French bulldog I hope she doesn't get a little jelly But you know We'll we'll make sure that they're kind of fr- Tallulah doesn't really Does care about Does she get dogs. along
5: with other dogs? Yeah
1: She's indifferent to them. Okay. Loves people. A total, a total snuggle bunny with all human beings. You know, definitely not a guard dog, that's for sure. Totally sweet to all humans. Never done anything but be sweet to human beings. She has once or twice maybe tried to eat a chihuahua. I'm just saying it's it's this is a thing that might have happened in the past. Luckily,
5: most dogs are bigger than her.
1: Um in New York, it's, you know, she's true. for New York City, because she weighs over thirty pounds, she's kind of a mid-sized dog. You know, for America, she's a small dog, but for New York City, because here, man, they got all these little like Maltese and Chihuahua, and these things are small. I mean, they're those dogs are less than ten pounds. You need a dog that'll fit in your purse in New York City. Yeah, a lot of purse dogs here, uh, and in other parts of the country. You know, people are like, "What? What do you mean? You don't have a lab? You don't have a golden retriever? You don't have like a..." you know, a Springer Spaniel or something, you got a, you got a what, you know? So, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Uh, let's get to it. I know Producer Mark and I are having some fun, but because this weekend I'm just going to be doing radio work, uh, prep work and writing and nothing, nothing else going on. I might try to get in, oh, you no, know, Indoor Dining in New Jersey, you're still open, right?
5: As of right now, yeah.
1: yeah. You can always cross the uh, bridge. And yeah, go you can cross Jersey the river City. and go out to dinner, right? That's the way it works. Well, anyway. Okay, Jeremiah. Hey, Buck. Great show. I'm 15, and I listen on W F H uh, G Super Talk 92.9 in Tennessee. That's awesome, Jeremiah. Team Team Buck High School Squad. We are honored to have you. I just wanted to say how ridiculous it is that these crazy governors are taking away our constitutional rights and liberties, especially the right to peacefully assemble. If it says right there, plain the Constitution. How the heck are they getting away with this? So Jeremiah, you ask an excellent question. And it's one for which the statist overlords of the federal bureaucracy, like the CDC and, and the Fauci, as well as the state governments, don't have a good answer to, which is, well, because we say so. I mean, that really has turned into the overall response you get. Why are you, why are you able to do these things that you should not be doing? Because they say so. That's it. That's the that's the full, you know, oh, there's important stuff and everything else. But yeah, I mean, the freedom of assembly to say that there's an imminent harm from a disease. I mean, that's really an exaggeration. That's really an extreme. They don't know if anyone would be infected in any in any particular outdoor gathering, for example. Right. They don't know if anybody would be infected at an anti lockdown protest. But they'll say they do. They'll say they do. And, you know, we live in a world of constant viruses and and threats to health and health risks. If the possible, I mean, that's why I get so mad about the Fauci thing with the vaccine. If there is a one in a million chance that you could get covid and die from it, are we going to shut down society? OK, what about a one in 10,000 chance? Cause that's about where that's about where we are. Is, is that is that enough to shut down society? I mean, I don't think so, but apparently people do. And they're, unfortunately, right now, they're, they're not winning the argument. They're just getting their way. They're not, they're not convincing us that they're right. They're just saying, you're doing this. Ah, I get very frustrated. Chuck. Chuck and Buck. Hi, producer Mark and Buck. You talked about a special counsel today for Hunter Biden and the China influence intrusion into all layers of American institutions. I think we should add a third special counsel to investigate all aspects of election integrity including Dominion and Smartmatic. We need this as much as the other two ideas, especially if Trump loses. We need to know the truth about this election ASAP. Thank you. Um, so, interesting, Chuck. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the, the thing about special counsels is that they really should be used for very specific circumstances. They really should be used for when there's a uh, something that directly affects the president and therefore to have real justice, you have to separate it from the normal DOJ chain of command. So the, the Hunter Biden thing is a clear example of where you could call for. And and, you know, there's a deserved re or there's a um, a, a reasonable position here that Hunter Biden should get a special counsel. But as for the election, you raise a good point. Can we really trust that the DOJ? Well, of course, we can't trust the DOJ under Biden administration. Who would want to do Who wants to be part of the, hey, maybe Biden stole this election team? Nobody at the DOJ. You see what they did with the Trump-Russia collusion thing. They said, oh, well, they couldn't trust the DOJ under Trump to look at Russia. How could we trust the DOJ under Biden to look at the election fairly? So, Chuck, you're right. You're right. Very good point. Um, in terms of the process and why they will or won't do these special counsels, that's uh, an interesting question. I, d- I, don't have a, I don't have an answer for you. I think they should. So the answer is I think they should, but I don't know if they will. Kevin uh, writes, regarding low flu numbers, I haven't looked at them in a while, but last time I did, mortality numbers lagged significantly by several weeks, if not months. That compounded with the fact that COVID precautions would carry over to influenza precautions, which is at most half as infectious as COVID, and you would see significantly lower flu numbers in the current month. Now, Kevin, that's all very reasonable. And I, I really, I was asking, I wasn't trying to be conspiratorial with that. I was, I was really asking, because uh, I think it's, this is important. There's obviously something going on. Flu numbers lagging by weeks? Okay, I'm, I'm sure that could be true. To say they're lagging by months... I mean, and maybe that is also true, but that seems strange to me. Uh, as for influenza versus COVID infectiousness, the lockdowns and the masking might very well have brought influenza spread down a bit. But remember, my friend, I, I the numbers that I it wasn't two thousand COVID dead and and two hundred flu deaths, which that I'd say, OK, maybe that it was two thousand and, and then three was the number that I saw on the CDC CDC website. I, I thought that was. Three, I mean, really, the only th- oh, the United States is 330 million people. It were in flu season. First week of December, three people died from the flu. I mean I just I find that maybe it is maybe that is what it is but I just find it hard to believe that that's really the real that that's a real number that that counts the people that are dying from flu. And I don't even have some conspiracy with this other than something is you know or rather I don't have some idea other than something is up. And when something's up I like to ask the question. And Kevin I appreciate you writing in with intelligent responses that could very well be the answer. So you know I don't do the I'm asking questions thing as a way of avoiding responsibility for what i'm saying or accountability sometimes i'm actually curious and some of you have answers
0: you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast
1: next up we got david to kick us uh, into the weekend here as we finish up roll call buck huge fan man i'm starting to connect the flu-like symptoms of covid as an excuse in the beginning. To see what's happening now at the magical lows of flu outbreaks recently. Well, David, thank you for being a supporter of the show. It means a lot to us. We appreciate it. And yeah, we'll have to see. Um, because here's the here's a problem. This is also why I bring this up. If, let's just say, what we're going to be told here is that masking and distancing uh, are, there, are mean that there's basically no flu this year. Do you really think that the people that like all this power and like to be able to... You think that once we get past covid, assuming we get past covid, they're going to say, no, we don't have to save 60,000 lives a year by doing this. I, I don't think that they'll accept that. I think that this is now our that, that the same way they want to control everything in the economy and control everything in your life because the world's going to end because of CO2 climate change stuff. Right. They want that. This Aerosolized virus stuff has given them an excuse to control anything they want, anything they want, and we're supposed to think that they have our best interest at heart. I, I want, I, again, I want to scream four-letter words in their faces whenever I, I hear this stuff from them, but I don't do that because I'm a civilized fellow right now. Uh, let's see here. Um, we got Brannon. Buck, I love your show. I listen to the podcast every day after it's posted on iHeartRadio. Well, Brandon, you have fantastic taste in podcasts, and I greatly appreciate that. I want to cheer you up about 39 and the impending 40th birthday. Don't fret turning 40, because when you turn 39, you've completed 39 years of life, meaning you're living your 40th year at that point and will until your 40th birthday. Enjoy your 40s, because life gets shorter every day. Keep up the good work. Bruce and Mark was that does that make me feel better? I feel like I' feel worse now. He's like you're even older than you think you are. Yeah, you're really old
5: I think that's the yeah
1: uh, old, you know, old man Buck over here. I definitely have the you know the mentality of somebody who's you know much several decades older. All right that's gonna be it for me and for all of us until uh, we talk again on Monday. please pass the buck this weekend tell a friend about the show share them uh, share with them the podcast Tell them to go to bucksection.com. they can listen there. Really appreciate it all. Look, we're all going to get through this together. Better days ahead. Shields high.